Doug is in Oklahoma, so you get gifted to listen to me try to mess some of his songs up. So, um, before we get started, is there anything y'all want to do? What you want to start with, Maggie? Lord's Supper? You want to start? We'll start with Jesus Loves Me, okay? All right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are. Thank you. 
10 minutes after. So. I don't know if we've got any more announcements. I, I just want everybody to know how great a job those guys because I knew none of them saw them. They wanted these kids saying every one of them as long as I could. So uh, make sure we give Doug a, a good job when he gets back. I'm sure that'll help his ego a lot. So, uh, nah, we love Doug. I'm just joking. But uh, anyway, is there any announcements we need to make besides uh, the youth groups are going to the Fosters as soon as we get done with class and uh, when we leave the Fosters we're all riding the bus to the Elliot so we can all be together so and uh, afterwards so make sure you remember that and then also on the 20th at one o'clock the fruit baskets in the annex bring a hairdryer with you if you can any other announcements that need to be made at this time Who's, who's got the song? Who wants to lead so a song or not? Sally, you going to lead a song for us? Or Luke, you want to lead a song? Okay. Lawson? All right. We'll, just, we'll, uh, we'll lead one. We'll, we'll lead one before we leave. Let's have a prayer while, and then I'll teach you to go to class. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for all the many blessings you give us. We thank you for this time we have to come together and study a portion of your word. We thank you for these young young ones up here in the front who love you so much and who sing these songs for you as loud as they can lord we we thank you for everything you mean to us and we thank you for this church we have lord and thank you for this time of the year we have that we can think about you and we uh we ask you to be with all of us as we go through this holiday season and keep us safe and just now we pray amen <coughs> we'll sing the first verse of amazing grace while the teachers go to class Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was I?
today. I'm glad to have you back here. I just thank you so much for backing those kids up and that just invigorated singing and wow. <laughs> now, you know, we sit back here, we're supposed to be learning all that too. So it's great to see the kids get involved and I think that's a really good program. Okay, I have some sick people that we're praying for. I have some names that folks have given me they'd like us to be praying about tonight. Irene Baker, Melinda Hester's mother has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz still has about a year of treatments to go. Wade Davis is still missing. Bobby Petty has cancer. Marty Woodruff is very sick with cancer. And actually his wife Donna went back for a checkup. They have found a spot on her lung and she was going to have a biopsy on Thursday this past week. Just, uh, I'm sure, uh, a setback for them, but hopefully that's going to be okay. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments. Ann Langford's, a friend of Lisa's, has leg pain. Emma Hutton has cancer. Sharon Strickland, cancer. Grayson Miller, cancer. Linda Garrett, cancer-free. Still taking infusion treatments. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Larry Muse has cancer. Lennox and Micah are children that have cancer. Sybil Tolleson has Alzheimer's. Uh, Rita was saying Jeremy's doing, is making progress. So we're thankful for that. Uh, Joanne Roberts, uh, both her and Ben are here today. Ben says he's feeling better. Joanne still has neuropathy issues. Uh, Jayla Ross making progress at Shepherd's Clinic in Atlanta. Sadie Downs has cancer. Susan Wood has cancer. Johnny Derrick, cancer. Monique Brown, cancer. Christy Nash is very sick. Norma Hemwell, not doing great. Joan's taking care of her. Joan, you doing great? You're great, she's okay. Uh, Joy Jamison is, is slowly making some progress. Rhonda Lansdale has breast cancer. Uh, Dennis Brown is at Vanderbilt. Terry Ross needs a liver transplant and to have one soon. Sean Crum needs a liver transplant. These are relatives of Sue Mason's. Junior Wilson has pancreatic cancer. Allie Johnson has cancer. Jonathan Bishop, cancer. Flora Warner's doing well. She was at our Devo today. Rick does a good job taking care of her. Pat Hall has cancer. Mary King is a friend of Lisa's. She has some blood clots they're treating. Uh, John is at Landmark. Saw uh, he and Peggy just a little bit ago. They seem to be doing okay. Uh, Brian Rowland had surgery on his foot this week, and um, hopefully he'll be able to recover. They got some of the problem areas removed. Uh, Ricky Neves has mouth cancer. He went to MD Anderson. Uh, they're going to do some treatments, try to reduce the size of the tumor. Dell's sister, Jackie Lambert's still in rehab at Landmark. Uh, our friends, Ralph and Glenda Jennings have grandson, Will, that's gonna have a kidney transplant on the 29th. 
Jim Thomason's still recovering, but he was here this morning. Seems to be doing really well. Wanda Devon is Mickey Scott's sister. Ray Miller's recovering from surgery. Kathy Johnson, who's Carolyn Ligon's niece, has breast cancer, had some surgery. It went well. Not sure about the follow-up, though. Is Carolyn still down? Okay. Well, hope she has full recovery. She fell and kind of bruised up. All right. Uh, Marilyn's sister, Pat, uh, she broke her arm, has some mobility issues. May Dean is in recovery. She's see the doctor on Thursday, hoping that, what? They're going to say, you're good and get back out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope, we hope that you get what you're hoping for. Uh, Chester Donovan, that's Brenda's brother-in-law going to rehab. Our friend Rudy Gerber um, had testicular cancer surgery this past week. Uh, he's supposed to have some follow-up treatments, probably going to start in January. Joyce Morris's sister-in-law, Lucy Palmer, is having some surgery soon, very serious surgery, so she would really appreciate you remembering her in your prayers. Ken Scott's dad, Roy, is recovering from surgery. Is Ken here? Okay. Anthony, you know how he's doing? Went good. Okay, great. Uh, Jenny Ballard, having heart issues. More tests, okay. Uh, Jenny Adams is having some back issues and a lot of pain. How's Corbin? Okay, good. Violet Cavanus is a friend of Kay's. She had recent colon cancer diagnosis. You know any plans of what they're going to do or... No, we just want to remember her in our prayers. Callie Allison had a bad car accident. She's in a lot of pain, facing some rehab. And then if you left early today, you missed something special. So Maddie, you know, responded this morning. We prayed for her. And you guys just loved on her a lot. And she decided today was the day she was going to have her sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. So after the service sometime later, uh, Dennis Miller baptized her into Christ. It was just, it was wonderful. Aren't we glad? All right. Do you have anybody you want to add to our list? Pardon? Okay. Because they're doing amazing. Yes. <laughs> All right. Great.
wind blew. Yuck. All right, I think there's a lot of flu going around, I know for sure. RSV maybe still, there's a lot of stuff. So stay, stay well as best you can. All right, let's have our prayer and then, oh, yes, hold everything, Pat. I'll go back and clean that up later. You're welcome. All right, let's have our prayer and then we'll begin our study together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for a really great day today. Just the fellowship, being together, worshiping you, being able to witness a new birth, various activities going on. We pray for safety in those endeavors, but we're just, we're just so, so grateful that we're at peace here and just a lot of good things going on. And we pray that you'll continue to bless that and protect us from Satan's effort to get in the way of that. We pray, Lord, for all these people who are sick or afflicted in some way. We pray your blessings on them and recovery if it's your will. Although we think about Irene Baker and you've been so merciful to extend her life like you have. We pray that she'll continue to have good days. Bless Austin Wentz as he begins a second year of treatments. Bless the Davis family and Wade's disappearance. We pray for Bobby Petty, who has cancer. Bless Marty Woodruff, who's very sick with cancer. And bless his wife, who just had bad news recently. We pray that everything's okay with her. We pray for Eli Johnson, who's taken treatments. Bless Ann Langford, who has a lot of leg pain. We pray for Emma Hutton, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, who have cancer. Pray your continued blessings on Linda Garrett. We're thankful for her good state of health now, and we pray you'll bless her as she continues taking these treatments. Pray for Barbara Foster, who has cancer. Larry Muse. Lennox and Micah, who are so young, all of them having cancer. Pray for Sybil Tolleson that has Alzheimer's. Bless Jeremy Owens. We're thankful he's making some progress. Ask your blessings on Joanne and Ben that their health will get better. 
Be with Jayla Ross in her treatments. Bless Sadie Downs, who has cancer. And Susan Wood, who has cancer. Johnny Derrick, Monique Brown. Bless them in their battles with cancer. Pray for Billy Martin's friend, Christy Nash, and pray that she'll be comforted. We pray your blessings on Norma Hemwell, whose health fluctuates so much. Pray that she'll get to where she can generally care for herself. And we pray your richest blessings on Joan as she cares for her. We thank you that Joey's making some progress, however slow that is. Bless Rhonda Lansdale who has cancer. Bless Dennis Brown as he's undergoing treatment, hospital care. Pray for Terry Ross and Sean Crum as they both wait transplants. Bless Junior Wilson who has cancer. Allie Johnson who has cancer. Jonathan Bishop who has extensive cancer. Pray blessings on Flora Warner. We're glad that her health is good. Bless Pat Hall, who has cancer. Mary King, who has a lot of health problems. Bless John Roten and Peggy, as he's at Landmark. Pray your blessings on Brian Rowland. Really hope this is the last of his surgeries. We just pray that his body will heal and he'll do very well. Bless Ricky Neves as he's seeking treatment for his cancer. Pray for Jackie Lambert and her rehab. Though she's had a lot of trouble to get to the point she's at now, but pray that it will go well from here on out. Bless Will Jennings as he has kidney transplant very soon. Continue blessing Jim Thomason as he recovers from his recent heart attack. Bless Wanda Devon and her caregivers. We pray for Ray Miller that he'll recover quickly and be back with us soon. Bless Kathy Johnson and all, any follow-up that she's facing after her surgery. We pray for Marilyn's sister, Pat, who recently suffered some injuries. Bless Maydeen Crow and her recovery and pray she gets good news on Thursday. Be with Chester Donovan as he goes through rehab. Bless Rudy Gerber as he recovers from his surgery. We pray that uh, if it's your will, he wouldn't have to have further treatment, just to be well. Pray for Joyce Morris' sister-in-law, Lucy, who's having surgery real soon. We pray that the doctors will be skilled enough to be able to perform it and promote healing for her. Bless Ken Scott's dad and his recovery. Bless Jenny Ballard, who has these heart problems. We pray for Jenny Adams, who's dealing with some back issues. Bless Violet Cavanus, who's had this colon cancer diagnosis. We pray her treatment will go well. Pray for Callie Allison, who had the automobile accident, and pray for her recovery. Lord, thank you for Maddie and the decision she made today. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be a, a real support to her, really be the family that she needs us to be. And I pray for anybody else that's contemplating obedience to the gospel. I pray you'll give them time to do that. Please bless the Woodrows who have a lot of difficulties. 
we pray that Lynette can get a good job to care for them and that Dave can get the care he needs. We ask your blessings on Jasper as he has strep and flu. We pray he'll, he'll beat that quickly and, and be back to his normal self. We pray for Dennis and Dot Worley, who still haven't, either one of them, really recovered from the accident they had so long ago. We pray for Dennis, who just has lingering effects from it. And we pray for Dot, who has, through her care of him, ended up with injuries herself. And we pray if she does have to have surgery that it'll help and that she'll be well. We also pray for Marty Green's mother who broke her hip and is facing surgery. Pray that that surgery is going to go very well and promote the healing that they're looking for. She'll have mobility again. Bless us, Lord, as we're looking at, at a Jeremiah tonight. And I just thank you for him. And I, I pray that all of us, to one degree or another, would have the spirit that he had. Love for people who were in dire straits, despite the way they treated him. Thank you for just the instruction that gives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in the major prophets. Tonight we're going to talk about Jeremiah. I want, I'm hoping that in this short time we can lay out the whole thing. I want us to see Jeremiah's calling as a prophet of God and what that meant to his life. Probably about 20 years old when he was called to prophesy against God's people in the hope that they would repent. His hope in his own heart was that they would do that. And I think God's desire, so far as God can do that without knowing outcomes, his heart was for them too, but they would not. And there's so much in this book repeatedly about God's desire. And what's unique about the book of Jeremiah is there's so much there that Jeremiah expresses out of his own heart about his desire for God's people just to do the right thing. And despite their rejection of him, still he pursued the ultimate good. We will see that he did everything within his power in order to extend God's word to them. In fact, going to the difficult work of preparing this particular book at least twice so that God's people would know what the truth of the matter is. And we'll take a look at that, Lord willing. And then I want us to see ultimately what happened to the people. God prophesies, depending on how you respond, will be the ultimate result. If you respond favorably, God will relent. If you do not, God will carry through on his threats. And then finally, there's something hopeful in this book for all of us. Now, talking about books, have you read through Isaiah? Isaiah, a short little read, three and a half hours. A lot of you have done that. Great. Add 30 minutes, you'll have Jeremiah in your basket. Wouldn't that be terrific? Well, I said 30 minutes. Four to five hours, you can do it. Guess what? Most people, if I were to ask what's the longest book of the Bible, they would say, well, silly, the book of Psalms is. It's got 150 chapters. Uh, peace on that. Yeah, it does have the most chapters and the most verses, but it doesn't have the most words. Anybody want to venture to guess what book that starts with the letter J and ends with an H has the most words in it? Jeremiah. Of all the books, Jeremiah, little old Jeremiah, 
not necessarily highly esteemed, although significant. That's the book has most words in it, at least if you were counting the Hebrew words. And then there's a spat of Aramaic words in there. So there's about 33, a little over 33,000 words in that. If you're wondering, there's about 30,000 words in the book of Psalms in the original language. Say, well, why don't you care them? compare them in the English language. Well, it's because there's so many translations. Which one would we choose? Let's just count those old words and move on. So Jeremiah is huge. It's a huge book. Um, thing about Jeremiah too is that it's like somebody took his prophecies, threw them all in a bag, jumbled them up, and then spit them out. <laughs> it's like there's hardly any flow to it. But I want to show you some things that are pretty significant. Chapter one, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. I want to introduce you to the writer of this book. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. What time period are we talking about? So far as Judah is concerned in their old time ways, it's the end. They're about to be carried away into Babylonian captivity. What would stop that? Repentance. So God calls a prophet. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb and I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. Did he exist before he was born out into the world? Yeah, he was alive. Yes, that's one of your proofs right there of life before birth. Then said I, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. People sometimes offer excuses when God calls them to service. Admit it. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you have been challenged with some work for the Lord. And you say, oh, well, I would do it except for, and then you have your little list of things. You know what God thinks of our excuses? This, I've equipped you, I've got you ready. God goes, I don't really care that you are young. If I'm with you, what? You can do it. I don't care what your age is. So, oh, Lord God, behold, I can't speak for I'm a youth. Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go and all to whom I send you. And whatever I command, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I'm going to speak. People are going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. And then what will I do? Oh, I'm going to cower in fear. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to run away. God says what? Don't do that. I'm just sending you to speak. So the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? I said, I see a boiling pot and it's facing away 
from the north. The Lord said to me, out of north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I'm calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. What, what's that indicative of? They're coming to, they're coming right to your doorstep. Why? Just to say, hey, knock, knock, Avon calling, ding dong. No, we're coming to get you. I'm setting this up so that the kingdoms of the north, that's going to be who? The Babylonians, they're coming. They're coming. I've set it up. I just need you to go and say the word. So I'm bringing them against the walls all around, against all the cities of Judah. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, worshiped the works of their own hands. Why is God bringing judgment on them? Same story it's always been. Unfaithful, unfaithful. I'm not gonna tolerate this forever, God says, and today's the day. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. If you back down from them, what? I'll shut you down too. I'm serious. For behold, I've made you this day, you, Jeremiah, a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, <clears throat> against his princes, its priests, against the people of the land. They'll fight against you and they shall not prevail against you. For I am the Lord, I'm with you to deliver you. I'm with you, man. You go and you speak my word. Jeremiah is about 20. He's got 40 years of prophetic work ahead of him. And can you imagine how he feels at this point? How would you feel? You're 20. God's just told you, I don't care what anybody says. You're going to be alone. You're going to go speak my word. They're not going to like it. And they're going to talk you down. There are going to be a lot of these elderly people around who think they know better than you. They're going to say they have received a word from the Lord. But don't you stop. Don't you back down. Would you be confident like that? Okay, is Christianity popular today? I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're going to do it? It's at this point that we all go like this. We are. Who sent us to do this? The Lord did, did he not? He did. So if we go, will he be with us or not be with us? God said, don't you be dismayed. Don't you let them cause you to cower in the corner. I'm with you. You just go speak the word. And, and by the way, isn't that how God does it? He didn't say you go out there and you, you make them obey the gospel. He just said, you go and do what? You preach it. Let me take care of the results. Okay, so Jeremiah with this commission has a great responsibility. Watch what happens. Let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 36. So Jeremiah's been working. He's been receiving the word of the Lord. It has been strong. And as he's pinning these things and he's speaking them to an emanuensis, a man by the name of Barak. Barak is kind of writing down everything that Jeremiah is saying as he's receiving it from the Lord. And boy, it is this massive document that you and I have in our possession. He's just writing down his thoughts and all the things that God said is going to take pass, is going to take place. And he's accumulated it. 
And now God says, I want you to go and take this message and share it with all the people and especially the leaders of Judah because their response to this message will indicate whether or not I pull the trigger and the wrath of God through the means of Babylon will come down upon this place or in their repentance, I'll relent like I did with with Nineveh and everything will be fine. Came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Now, this is when things begin to get serious in the kingdom as well. The kingdom and its kingship is going to be riding on some pretty un, unsupported ground, I guess I want to say. Uh, things are going to get shaky with regard to the kingdom from this point on. It came to pass, the fourth year of Je- Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I've spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, against all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah, even to this day. It may be in that house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Jeremiah called Baruch, son of Neriah. Baruch wrote on the scroll of a book. That's this book. At the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I'm confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. You go, therefore, read from the scroll which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord, in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. You shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil way. Listen to Jeremiah. I'm so hopeful. I'm so hopeful that when this is read to the people, they're just going to be like, oh no, we have sinned against the Lord. We better repent. For great is the anger, the fury that the Lord has pronounced against his people. He's already read, of course. And Barak, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. It makes sense. We're reading right here where people are gathered already. They're there presumably to worship God, although their worship has fallen flat because they are unfaithful to God. They're just going to the, through the pretension of worship to God while they are entertaining these false gods. Now they have assembled for worship and there is a true message from the Lord, from the pen of Jeremiah the prophet. Came to pass in the fifth year, Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. Barak read from the book of the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Gemariah and the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the hearing of all the people. Everybody's hearing this message of condemnation against the leaders of Judah, in particularly the princes that are there in Jerusalem. God is hammering them because of their unfaithfulness and calling them to repent lest he destroy them by this foreign power. When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he went down to the king's house, into the scribe's chamber, and there all the princes were sitting 
Elishma the scribe, Deliah the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan the son of Akbor, Gemariah the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then Micaiah declared to them all the words that he heard when Baruch read the book in the hearing of the people. Therefore all the princes set Jehudiah the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushian to Barak, and he said, take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of all the people and come. So Barak, son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand, came to them. They said to him, sit down now and read it in our hearing. So Barak read it in their hearing. Okay, so everybody's heard it in a public setting. The prince is like, whoa, wait now, what did he say? Bring him in there and let's hear it again. So he's there. It happened when they heard all the words that they looked in fear from one to another. Said to Baruch, we'll surely tell the king all these words. Now that sounds promising, right? Oh, they're shocked. We need to tell the king all that's going to happen. Maybe I'm thinking from, from Jeremiah's standpoint, he's thinking, hey, you know, this is going to be good. This is going to be, wow, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. They asked Baruch saying, tell us now. How'd you write all these words? At his instruction? So Barak answered them. He proclaimed, speaking of Jeremiah, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me. I wrote them with ink in the book. The princess said to Barak, go and hide. You and Jeremiah, let no one know where you are. Wait, wait, wait. Don't we want the king to... What's going on here? Kings, what? Gonna like it, not gonna like it. Not going to like it. And as soon as his fury is unleashed, what's he going to be looking for? Baruch and Jeremiah went to the king and to the court. They stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishamah, the scribe, told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to bring the scroll. And he took it from Elishamah, the scribe's chamber. Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. The king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. It happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns that the king cut it with a scribe's knife, cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Wait, what did he just do? Well, you say, yeah, you say, oh, he just tore up this writing of Baruch. He just tore up, you know, he didn't like, whoa, Anita, you're exactly right. They have just rejected God's word. God already said, hey, I'm going to have you go do these things because I'm giving Judah an opportunity. If they will respond favorably, I'm going to relent my destruction. If they don't, I'm bringing it down from the north. The king is sitting there and he's just like, he's just chopping the thing up and tossing it into the fire. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Remember what happened when Jonah went to Nineveh reluctantly? What did they do? And these were the Assyrians, the most powerful nation on earth at the time. What did they do? From the least to the very greatest, they tore their clothes. They were in sackcloth and ashes. Everybody repented. Now, the king of Judah says, forget it. I don't care. We're fat and happy. We don't need to hear these negative words from this unknown prophet 
about what, quote unquote, God is going to do to us. They weren't afraid. They didn't tear their garments. The king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Delilah, and uh, Deliah, and Gamariah implored the king not to burn the scroll. But he wouldn't listen to them. The king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Are you going to stop the word? Wait a minute. We have burned the word of God. We have burned 33,000 words. That's the end of the word of the Lord. Now, after the king had burned the scroll, the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, remember what has God done with Jeremiah and Baruch? We just read it. He hid them. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, take yet another scroll. Write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus says the Lord, you've burned this scroll saying, why have you written it? that the king of Babylon would certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall, no, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. Wait, what's he saying to this king? Okay, the throne of David is established. It's going to go on. But so far as your part in it, what? It's over. And, and not, not just you. There will be no descendant of yours sitting on that throne. I'm going to punish him, his family, his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring on them and not just the king, but those who are following the king, those who, those who support the king, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them. But they did not heed. You would think, okay, it's a, here's what I want to do now. And what do they say? Oh no, we're sorry. We really messed up. I, I know I should not have torn that up and thrown it in the fire. Did it change anything? God says, I am going to root you out. There's not going to be any remembrance of you. Did not heed. Jeremiah took another scroll, gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the book, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And besides, <laughs> there were added to them many similar words. In other words, not only did he replace what had been destroyed, but what did he do? Added to it. There is more. Why would there be more? Because at first it was just an anticipation of what's going to happen. Now what does God say? Here is what is going to happen. Well, what did happen? Jeremiah chapter 52. This is, this is one of the books, maybe the only book I know of, that gives us exactly how the book came to be, which we just read. All that is in this book hinged on that event right there. And then it also tells us what came to pass because they chose not to heed the word of the Lord. Zedekiah 
was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. Zedekiah is the last king in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah till he finally cast them out from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign in the 10th month on the 10th day of the month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and all his army from the north, came against Jerusalem and camped against it. They built a siege wall against it all around. So the city was besieged. What does it mean when a city is besieged? They're stuck like in a can. And the enemy is all surrounding them. There's nothing that they can do. They're going to, they're going to starve them out or force them to flee. By the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the famine, they have no, no way of getting food in. The famine had become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city wall was broken through and all the men of war, we're talking about those that were in Jerusalem, all the men of war, they're going to stay and fight? No, they're hungry. All the men of war fled went out of the city at night by way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden. Even though the Chaldeans were near the city all around, they did not care. They went by way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king. They overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. All his army was scattered from him. So they took the king and brought him to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He just lined them up right there in front of the king and killed them, maybe one by one. Just an awful slaughter. He also put out the eyes of Zedekiah. What was the last thing that Zedekiah ever saw? The slaughter of his own sons. Would any of those sons ever sit on the throne? He also put out the eyes of Zedekiah, the king of Babylon, bound him in bronze fetters, took him to Babylon, put him in prison till the day of his death. Now in the fifth month on the 10th day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, all the house of Jerusalem, that is all the house of the great. He burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down all the walls of Jerusalem all around. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captives, some of the poor people. The rest of the people remained in the city, the defectors who had deserted the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. He, the captain of the guard, left some of the poor of the land as vine dressers and farmers. The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord and the carts in the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord. The Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried all their bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the tremors, the bowls, the spoons, all the bronze utensils which the priests ministered with, the basins, the fire pans, the bowls, the pots, the lampstands, spoons, the cups, whatever solid gold and whatever was silver. 
the captain of the guard, they took it all away. Two pillars, one sea, 12 bronze bulls that were under it, the carts, King Solomon, on and on and on and on. How is it that they were able to walk right into Jerusalem and take all of these things? All of these precious things, many of which had been used in service to God. How is it that that happened? What does God care about things? Zero. But what does he care about his people? That they be faithful. If they are faithful, he will move heaven and earth for them. If they are unfaithful, what will he do? Just open the doors wide open. Verse 28, these are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the seventh year, 3,023 Jews. In the 18th year, Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem, 832 persons. The 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to the Jews, 745 persons. All the persons were 4,600, on and on and on. You know what they did with Jeremiah ultimately, the Jews? They put him in... Well, some translations have they put him in the dungeon or they put him in the cistern. They abused that poor prophet of God because he told them exactly what was going to happen. You know when he was released from his bonds? Here's the irony of this whole story. He is released from his bonds that were inflicted upon him by God's people when Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem. Yeah, he did. They brought him up out of that mud when they won't talk to him and change his mind. But he never would. It was the Babylonians who freed Jeremiah. Okay, so what's the takeaway here? <laughs> what do I want to be in my service to God? It starts with an F and ends with a full. Faithful. Be faithful. God will move heaven and earth. Be unfaithful. Well, let's don't explore that possibility. Yes, I can read all about that one. Be faithful unto death and I will, I'll give you the crown of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jeremiah. Um, I just, I want to think if we lived during his time, we would have been on his side. <laughs> but there was a whole city of people that had turned their ways away from you. I pray, Lord, we're not like that, not in our time, that we will be faithful. And Lord, as we further explore Jeremiah, help us to know that even in this document itself are hopeful pictures of a future when you're with your people, where instead of writing them down on pages like he had done or even as Moses had done on stone, that you would write your message on people's hearts, change people from the inside out. Thank you for tributes like this that remind us of what really is important. And bless us, Lord, as we go out from this place, exercising our faith. Help us remain faithful no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.